0: Hello again and welcome to the latest episode of My Big Break, the podcast series from Motorsport that looks into the key moments in a driver's career that led them to where they are today. I'm your host Chris Medland and for this week's episode my guest is Kevin Magnussen who talks about how a present from Ron Dennis when he was a toddler, along with his name, opened doors in F1 and Kevin also talks about the signs that told him he didn't have Renault's full backing plus why he chose not to tempt fate when it came to his surprise chance to return with Haas. Kevin, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show to talk about your career so far and the pretty topsy-turvy road you've been on. Uh, we're looking for the big moments that led to things going in a certain direction, and it'd be easy to say that being born a Magnussen was your first big break. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: uh, yeah, I don't think the chance of me you know, getting into racing wouldn't, would have been very big if my dad hadn't been a, a racing driver. So, um, yeah, I mean... It, it's it's uh it's a good thing and it's it's been great having someone that close to you uh, who has been through it all and lived lived all those experience um and also just been you know my dad hasn't been at the racetracks very often he he was very busy so it wasn't him who was taking me to the go-kart track and and running me and doing the mechanics on the on the cart it was it was my uncle and um and um, you know, I think I was very lucky with with those circumstances.
0: I was going to say, is it partly as well just because his racing career meant you were around it as a young age, and it became something that you always saw, or was it the fact that it was your dad and you wanted to emulate your dad? Like, what do you think actually is the thing that hooked you into racing because of him, if that makes sense?
1: Uh, I think in the in the very beginning, I was two years old. You know, when when they put me in a go kart for the first time, and I think. Back then I, was, I just liked driving, you know, and I didn't understand that my, r- my dad was a racing driver and that was his job. I had no perception of, of that. So I just liked um, driving around in the go-kart and, you know, I think they saw that I really enjoyed it and that made them enjoy it more and, you know, they thought oh, it would be cool maybe if he could uh, become a racing driver too. I don't know. Um, it was, again, it was my uncle who was kind of leading this and uh, he was very... I think my uncle was from uh, an early, early point very ambitious on my behalf. Uh, he'd been through; he, he'd been my dad's mechanic in karting, and they had won three world championships together and had loads of success in in karting. And then my dad moved on to, uh, you know, racing in uh, Formula Fords in England, and and my uncle didn't go with him. You know, he he actually kept working in go karts and worked for some of the manufacturers in in karting. So when I was born I think he uh, was hoping like mad that I would uh, be into it too so he could go through it all again so um yeah he he without him I I surely wouldn't have been able to start from such a young age and you know he was picking me up from kindergarten and taking me to the racetrack and uh, that's that's how it it was you know every other every second day or something so I was very lucky to have him
0: and what's his name we've got to give him credit Eric. Eric Eric Magnus um but was he then thinking he just wanted to help you in karting again, or did he want to basically take you further in a, in a way? I guess he didn't with your dad.
1: No, I don't. I, it's not something we ever talked about. But it, it seemed like he just really liked um, taking me to the to the to the racetrack. And actually, he he has a son too that, that was that started uh, around the same time. So we were racing against each other, and we were just having a great time. So I think he just enjoyed that a lot. And of, of course, I think he had. Well, I, I have a feeling that he was hoping that we would really get good at it, and that he could go through all this th- that he'd w- been through with, with my dad, once again. But you know, I, you know, really, I think it was just that we were having such a great time. Him, you know, me and and his son, my co- my cousin, Dennis, who is uh, also a racing driver today, so um, Dennis Lind. Um, I think we were just having a great time, and and my uncle enjoyed it hugely. And me and Ma- me and Dennis were racing each other like it was the world championship every every day. So. Uh, you know, we, it was a lot of fun. Does that mean your dad was maybe a bit more distant
0: than to that part of your career?
1: Yeah, he was. I mean, he lived in England. I, I lived in in Denmark, uh, my uncle lived there. And you know, we were always racing, uh, driving go-kart in, in Denmark. So it wasn't very often that my dad was able to you know participate in in all this. So when he could, it was awesome. And um, I enjoyed it a lot. You know, I I wanted to show my dad how, how fast I was, and you know, I can I can remember all of those feelings. It it was. Um, it was always like an extra pressure when my dad came out to the track. I was like, "Gotta push now, you know, show him what I got." Um, so it,
0: it was awesome. A lot of good memories. And well, you mentioned how karting went. I mean, you were successful in karts, but then stepping up into was it Danish Formula Ford when you won the title in the in the first season. That must have been a big confidence boost for you to translate that kind of potential into cars.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it's kind of like w- we. We didn't, you know. My dad is a is a racing driver and was a racing driver, but he didn't. He has never made the kind of money that you know would be able to fund me racing in, you know, a little bit in karting. But even karting was was too much. So we had we had to stop, uh, racing in karting because it it became too expensive. And you know, the next step for me in karting would be to go and do the Italian championship, like the WSK, which is like a World Series of karting. Um, and it would just be way, way too expensive. So we had this opportunity to go in, in Formula Ford in Denmark, and there were some sponsors that would get involved, and you know, to help my dad, and that would help me. And um, so I had I had that season. And for Danish Formula Ford isn't uh, the most competitive championship in the world, but my cousin was there, you know. So we kept racing each other, and uh, and uh, it, we kind of just you know kept going as as it had been always so racing each other and then you know I, after that I, I won that championship and um and my dad was formula ford was a support uh, race for the main event that that weekend which was the Danish Touring Car Championship and my dad was racing in that he's uh boss the team owner of his, of his team um is a very wealthy man in Denmark and uh, a businessman and after the season ended um this this guy uh, said he uh, wanted to support me and and fund my career which is massive um for me that was a you know complete game changer and i'd already started working in a factory as a as a welder and didn't think that after Formula ford i would have funding to go anywhere so as a as a backup i uh, you know i started working in this factory so immediately when when this guy um started, you know, began and, and told that he wanted to, to fund my career. I, I quit that job and, you know, uh, started doing Formula Renault 2.0 in, in Europe. And, and then it kind of started for, for real.
0: I was going to say, is that the moment that you, you then thought, this could be a career, I could actually make this something, I could get to it? Were you thinking even F1 by then or were you just thinking being a racing driver?
1: No, I always, I've always been very sort of naive, I think. I always had this uh, complete blind belief that it would happen. You know, now that I look back, I can get sweaty hands <laughs> of how many times it w- almost didn't happen. But, you know, back then I was just not worried about it. I, I had this weird, uh, complete um, trust that it would happen. And, um, you know, so I wasn't too worried. I, I When I started working in the, in the factory, I was pretty sure that, you know, working in that factory wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was like... Um, okay i got to find a way to <laughs> to uh, to find some funding for next year and then it happened you know so um it it's it's funny i i just always believed that it would that it would happen
0: did you then maybe use those moments or those feelings in that factory as like your motivation when you were racing like i don't i didn't need any motivation it was more like um
1: an eye opener of what normal jobs are like you know and i and i didn't like it <laughs> i I wanted to be a racing driver and and up until that point, I only worked in that factory for three months so it it wasn't very long and but I still had a a taste of what it what it's like to to work so sa- you know to have a job <laughs> basically i have a job formula one is a job too but it's it's different so i mean um it was good to have that experience um but still you know I was working in the factory and i was i wasn't worried i knew I wasn't gonna be doing that for very long and uh, now that I look back, I don't know where that belief and sort of um, yeah, confidence came from. I had nothing, no, no securities anywhere to, for it to, to happen. So it's, uh, it's funny, and uh, <laughs> I'm
0: glad it worked out. I mean, th- did it all turn around very quickly then? Because is that about 2009 we're talking when you went to do Formula Renault?
1: Yeah, I think nine was the first. Yeah, eight was Formula Ford, nine was Renault, yeah. And then uh, which year was it that McLaren picked you up? Well, actually, at the end of 2008, okay. um, I had this um, letter from Ron Dennis from back when my dad was a test driver for McLaren. Ron Dennis gave me this uh, birthday present. I think it was uh, in my s- second birthday or something, and and it was a, a Playmobil um, washing thingy, some <laughs> toy. And <laughs> with it was a, a letter saying, uh, you know, Ron, just joking around, if you ever become as good as your dad give me a call. And um so I um I showed my um, my man I well I had a I had a manager um more like a, a friend who was helping me out uh, at the time and she I showed her this letter and she was immediately like, well, we got to go for it. We got to call them up or see see if they'll uh, do something." And and she did and and actually um, it was Martin Whitmarsh, then and he he thought it would be really funny to Meet me because of the relationship to my dad and the history there. You know, it wasn't surely it wasn't because I had won the Danish Formula Four Championship. You know, it was it was because uh, so that that's a, a place where my name really you know took me somewhere and opened the door. And um, so we went and had that meeting with, with Martin, and uh, he asked me the first thing he asked me was if I smoke cigarettes because my dad smoked cigarettes, yeah. and he was like he, before he even said hi to me, he he asked me if I smoke cigarettes so I could could tell him tell him that I wasn't, but uh then he took me on this um young driver program, which you know the entry level is basically just like a training program. you get a piece of paper with some exercises <laughs> on, and you know you can you can call yourself a mclaren young driver um but it's a it's a door open you know you step in in one foot into uh, to mclaren and it was big for me um so I was really happy about that, and then I guess they were just kind of watching me um You know, they'd send someone from McLaren to some of my races and to to see how I work and how I do. Um, So through the Renault year and the next was F3 in in Germany, then F3 in England, they were really keeping an eye on me. And then um, they had the program split into three levels, A, B, and C, which C was the entry level. So they moved me up into the B level after, I think, uh, British Formula 3. And that means you get to drive the simulator and you move to working, work with the team. You start getting these classes in like vehicle dynamics, aerodynamics. They put you in like almost like an apprentice uh, in the gearbox department or the electronics. And so you learn all these different departments. And um, it was really cool. Learned a lot. Um, But I, you know, was really... Anxious to get to the a level because that's when you get to drive the real car and you get that's you get like a, a test driver contract and you know it's a it's a proper job by then so um they get no they gave me that that that's when i after british f three that's when i got the the a level and and I think that's when they gave me the young driver test mm so that was a that was a that was
0: big for me so do you think that will hinge then on your friend phoning up if that hadn't happened and you hadn't told them that yeah I think so. I mean, well, the chance of McLaren
1: without that phone call from my my friend, you know, I'm not. I don't know why if if McLaren would have pick, picked me up, I don't know. You know, at the, at, at the time they picked me up, I didn't have the results to to show for it. You know, it was just because they thought it would be funny to have you know Magnuson's son, um, you know, give it a shot. I guess see how he is because they thought it would might be funny, but you know, it's. Um, Cool. You know, I, it's cool. I'm very
0: lucky. Yeah, and, and you say about how you then progressed all the way through, but you could see your progression with the results you were getting in the junior categories, but then you got to 2013, and you had a year's experience under your belt in Formula Renault, You're going for the title against Stoffel, who is also McLaren-affiliated. Were you told, it was like now or never at that point, did they say to you, you've got to win the championship this year?
1: Yeah, they, they clearly said that. That was like something they sat me down, you know, I... I was called to the, to to Martin's office, and he was there with Aki Hinta, who was the doctor at McLaren. Who had he was very involved with with the drivers, and especially the young drivers, and like the driver selection. Um, you know, I would almost say he was like almost like a bit of a doctor Helmwood at McLaren. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, the after my first year in World Series, uh, I'd had a couple of wins, a couple of pole positions, but. Uh, it hadn't been consistent at all. So my position in the championship, I think I was p-, p six or seven in in the championship. I'd uh, shown great potential, great speed, um, but they they really wanted to see more more consistency. And so they told me, you know, next year you get mo- you get one more year. You have to win World Series in in your second year. If not, you know, won't happen for you. Which you know just kind of set such a clear goal. For me, you know, I, n- I knew, I had the confidence that my speed was there, so I knew, okay, I've got to just take some second places and some, some third places, and, you know, when when the win is just right there, I'll take it, but if not, I'll settle, you know, so that was like the mentality, and I started the year, I had, in Monza, I was, uh, you know, on, on the second row or something, and I um, had a really good start, was actually about to go for the lead into turn one, but I just... You know, I said no. Let's let's wait and see what happens. So I pulled, you know, I pulled out of that uh, battle, and I think I finished second. So I'd I'd never done anything like that before. You know, I'd always been very, very uncompromising in in my driving, and uh, and and so it just I I kept doing like that. So I got halfway through the year, and I had built up a really good lead. I'd been on the podium in almost every race, won a couple, and my points were big. So. By that time, I, s- I started to be able to take more more risk, and then I won basically the second half of the year. Won every race and took every pole, and you know, because pressure just came off and uh, got this momentum going. And then,
0: uh, yeah, got got the seat. Um, how quickly did they tell you you had the seat? And did did you know winning that championship would get you a seat, or did you just know it would mean that you didn't miss out?
1: No, I think I was I was thinking that I would go to Formula, uh, Force India. Um because McLaren had this uh, relationship with Force India, they were supplying gearboxes, well Force India was buying gearboxes off McLaren, mm. so that gave McLaren some power at force India and you know so I think there was i think there was some deal going on there to place me at Force India for some years and then to kind of develop and learn um, for then you know to McLaren to then take me t- take me back if I performed well. But then something happened um, very late. I already had a seat at, at Force India, and uh, it was, um, yeah, I, I thought I was, it hadn't been announced, but I thought that was imminent. So um, suddenly, Martin Whitmarsh uh, is fired from McLaren, and, and Ron Dennis comes back, takes the role of CEO again, and, and things changed. So <laughs> I, got the, I got the McLaren drive.
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I mean, how late was it that you got the call that said that's what you're doing? And what was your reaction then when you got that call? It must have
1: been, it was after the World Series season. I would say November maybe, something like that. Might have been December. Um, It was, yeah, it was crazy. It was very big. You know, growing up, uh my dad had been a, f- a McLaren driver. He did his first uh Formula One race with McLaren standing in for Mika Akenen. And um f- McLaren had just been my dream. You know, I w- always had McLaren as like my dream uh Formula One team. And um it was so crazy to get the news that, that I that I got the
0: drive. It was a really big day. Yeah, um, when we before we get on to exactly how it went there with them. But you mentioned your dad then, and you said about earlier how the name opened the door at McLaren. By that stage, when you're about to become an F1 driver, you know you're going into the category. What's your relationship with your dad like in that sense? Are you then leaning on him for the experience of what he knows and had as an F1 driver? Or are you thinking, I want to prove myself as me? Yeah. I've al-
1: I think I've always um, been fortunate. My dad has never, never really been so involved. He's never tried to be that involved. Which I think has been a great help for me because uh, you know, <laughs> I I think as as a young guy I think I I I wasn't very good at listening to my dad, and <laughs> um, it was annoying when he said anything. You know, especially if he was right, <laughs> then uh, it was really annoying. I think so that's the case for everyone. <laughs> exactly. <why. laughs> so I I think it w- it was really good of him to kind of step back and just let me let me get on with it. Uh, I think he's he realized that I've got a. If I have to be successful, then I've got to really learn. I don't need to be like him, you know. I need to become whoever I am and wha- whatever racing driver I, I I am. So I think that that's good, you know, um, the right approach. Um, so I think, but you know, there's obviously some good things come from um, being a Magnussen,
0: being a son of a Formula, Formula One driver. Um, yeah, I'm very lucky. Well, you say that, but then not everything from that point on worked out in the most lucky way. I mean, no. you went into a McLaren team that was used to uh, competing for wins and titles, and first race probably was a bit of a dream. Um, I mean, I guess let's focus on that feeling first. Or did that feel like you announced yourself to the F1 world by standing on the podium at your first Grand Prix? Well, I guess so. Um,
1: it, it it messed up all my expectations completely. Yeah. Um I think my, my expectations were messed up even before the first race because uh, getting on the podium was kind of just on par with my expectations. So that meant my expectations were, uh, you know, crazy and, uh, and wrong because uh, the car we had at McLaren wasn't a championship contender. It was a good car. It's the, probably the most competitive car I've had in Formula 1. But, you know, in my mind I just won a championship in World Series and you know, my next logical step in my mind was to go into Formula One and 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 you know fight for wins. You know, pick up where I left, and and it, and that's not how it worked. You yeah. know, and and once it became clear that the car wasn't a championship contender, I I became very very frustrated. And every race, I would be hoping that w- you know it would just be you know one bad race or two bad races, and we'd come back. You know, so. Uh, it was just one big frustration, and on top of that, midway through the year, um, McLaren told me and Jensen that they'd signed Fernando Alonso, and that they hadn't yet, you know, decided who would uh, stay. Um, so it became a very, very tough fight with Jensen suddenly, um, you know, and he's a, he's a very experienced and very good racing driver. Um, I was f- I felt like I was faster than him, but he would s- he would just be so good in the race. I remember he, I remember uh, chatting to his dad at some point, uh, actually before the season started, and his dad said, um, "You know, maybe Jensen isn't the fastest racing driver in the world, but he is the best." So th- I, <laughs> I thought that was really uh, telling. Like I thought, "Oh, that's that's a good way of thinking about it," you know. Mm. Um, and 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 it really, it kind of was true. I mean, he Jensen was maybe I was faster than him, but he was so clever in the races and always just got the best out of it it seemed um, on Sunday so I learned a lot from Jensen um, of course I lost the seat uh, I think Jensen was also good at you know getting in with the right people and the owners of the team whereas I never spoke to the owners I think so you know I thought my driving would uh, would would talk uh, on its own so yeah I lost the seat um,
0: but then you know that was unlucky, but then I got lucky again afterwards. So it's okay. I was going to say, partly, did it feel lucky when you saw what happened the following year? Because when Honda came back in, that looked like a pretty tough place to be, and I don't think it would have done anyone's driving reputation much good.
1: Yeah, it's true, but I don't know. I I I was it was tough not being there. You know, I thought my Formula One career was over. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was tough. You know, I was so very sad. Because I hadn't, uh, it it only just started, and it was a disappointing season in my head, and then I lost it. And I was out, so it was very tough. I mean, I, I wasn't, I was really down in that time, and then you know, um, I got this lucky opportunity with Renault that took over, and then Melton out losing losing his sponsor and all of that. So I'm, you know. It's this this time around. This year is not the first time that I got lucky in Formula One. That you know, I feel very lucky. Although some 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 unlucky things happen too. It's overall, when I look at my career, it's I've
0: been extremely extremely lucky. Yeah, let's let's talk about that kind of runner move then. I mean, you you kind of took that on off the back of when it looked like McLaren was still trying to keep you involved for a while. So was it? I guess difficult to leave the team that you called a dream, or to see that end, or or was it just all excitement about? No, Renault? I think
1: I became very focused, you know, on, on the
0: new opportunity
1: I, I I had. So it's not like I I wasn't looking back, you know. Once I once I saw that this opportunity came about, I was like, I was going for it. So um, you know, and it was also it was a factory deal and Renault. You know, they'd been so successful in the past and. And they told me that expectations were low because they just basically bought Lotus and they hadn't developed their car for, you know, a season or a season and a half. So, you know, they, they'd they fell behind massively. Plus, they would have to run, obviously, the Renault engine, take the Mercedes engine out and put the Renault in. And that, that wasn't a good thing either. So, at the time at least. So, um, well, we were... Basically the slowest team apart from Manor, I think. So it that it wasn't a great year. It was okay. I had, you know, some good results. I got P seven in in that car, which was such a slow car. It was a big result. Scott scored another point somewhere else. Um so it was it was a good year and I, again I felt like I learned a lot and I had this kind of reset feeling in my mind that um, you know, okay, we're not gonna win races here. So it was kinda of the very opposite of McLaren was I thought I was gonna win, win races with Renault, I thought we were gonna be last the whole year. Um and actually we scored some points. So um it w- that was a good 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 year in a way. Um I kinda fell out with the management a little bit and you know for different reasons. Um I really like the team. There's a lot of good people there and you know um I would have liked to continue actually if it wasn't for because I could I could feel that the team wasn't really behind me or not the team the management um so you know I I was looking elsewhere and that's when uh Günther and Jean came into the picture and yeah got got that opportunity which um which is good because you know, I think I I would have stayed with Renault for another year but Renault would have booted me after that year and then it would have been probably over I think Really think that would have been it. That 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 was why I took this the hard seat after the 2016 season was, I I, uh, Renault offered me another year, um, but I said, look, you're gonna have to offer me two years, because I I'd been seeing Carlos Sainz Senior in the team, uh, quite often in the hospitality, uh, in and out of uh, Cyril's office, and you know I, I could kind of put two and two together and say, okay, uh, Carlos has a, a contract with um. Russell for another year and then they want then they want Carlos. So yeah, I th- I said I, I want a two year deal, otherwise uh, I'm off. And then they said okay, you can only get one. So I went to
0: us. To yeah, it, it's funny, it's like the lack of South American money for Pastor meant that door opened for you, but then North American money then opened another door. Yeah. Um and and when that came about then, did that feel like finally a home for you going to us? Yeah, very much. I mean
1: uh even if Renault had offered me a two year deal, I think it you know, it, it, it was so good for me to get get this change of environment. You know, it's such a different um environment at Haas than, than Renault and McLaren. Um, you know, it's just Günther and Jean. That's it. The, that's the those are the two people that decide everything. And um, you know, there's this just less BS, you know. Uh Gunther is a very passionate guy, and he can, uh, you know, lose his temper once in a while. But you know, it's it's at least he's honest. You know what, it, what he thinks. You you know you know what he thinks. So I think yeah, uh, um, me and Gunther actually get on very well. And um, yeah, I think it's it's fun to be with a, a small team to be the underdogs. And you know, in a, in a couple of seasons we've we've been overachieving massively, um, fighting teams that are you know. 10 times as big as us. So um, that's really funny and, 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 and enjoyable when, when it happens. Of course, there's been some tough years where we have struggled with the car and not been competitive. But now, you know, this year, for example, we're back
0: in the mix again and we're really fighting some, some big teams. Yeah, if, th- if we skip forward a bit, because I won't make you go through all the ups and downs of the Haas spell, because that almost looked like normal F1 life for once. But end of 2020, when you were leaving... At the time, you said you're ready and you're ready to go and try and win again in in other things. But looking back now, is yeah. that true? Were you ready? Or, or no? Or I think you know I was very accepting.
1: I, I think I also I said that you know I feel like I'm at my best, mm. um, so I'm also ready for the next step, like in Formula One. If the, if that had happened, I would feel ready for it because after those years, I felt like the experience that I got, you know, the level of experience had become very. Good, and I felt very confident, much more confident than I did when I in my first year. So I just felt like I I was at the, at you know the best that I'd been in Formula One, and I don't know, I, the the opportunity wasn't there. So I I I lost the seat at Haas, and um, you know went and did a contract with sports car teams, and and had a really fun year. But and and I was ready for that in in the way that you know. I felt like I'd got a chance in Formula 1. I, I did the best I could. And, you know, it, yeah, my dream was to be a world champion. It didn't happen, but, you know, actually I was lucky to even get a a chance to race in Formula 1 and be a Formula 1 driver. Uh, whereas, you know, I'd never been able to think of it like that. I, I would always be, you know, so disappointed if someone told me, you're not going to be a Formula 1 driver. You know, if he could look into the future and tell me that, I'd be... So sad, but I, I accepted it and, um, and moved on.
0: And then now I'm here again, so <laughs> it's, uh, I've been lucky once again. I was going to say before we wrap this up that full disclosure was we were meant to do this in Daytona back in January, and um, circumstances meant we didn't manage to, and a lot has happened between now and then as we sit here in, in Azerbaijan. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about was you left your home to go on holiday in, I guess, late February, early March
1: yeah, early March.
0: And you you said you got the call from Gunther, I think before you left. Yeah. But you still went on holiday. You didn't stay around to wait and see what happened. Did you not really believe it was gonna happen? Did you no. not want <laughs> yeah. I didn't think
1: it was gonna happen. I mean, even before Gunther called me, I hadn't I hadn't um I didn't think I was, you know, a, a subject. I didn't think I was on the list. Um <clears throat> I thought, you know, the The reason I lost the seed in two thousand and twenty was because the the team had to make had to make some changes they were in trouble and yeah, so you know i i, th- I didn't think it would that I would be on the list so when Gunnza called of course i was I was very surprised to see his name on my phone, and you know I thought, well, I think I know what he's gonna ask and then then we talked about it, he asked if I wanted to come back um he said there was a few things that he had to sort out and I also had a few things I needed to sort out so I, th- I thought, you know, I told my wife about it, talked to her, you know, she said, go for it um, but we agreed that we're still going to go on this holiday because, you know, I know that these things probably, you know, one out of ten of, of these opportunities actually land, you know, so um, I guess there was also a little bit of like superstition. If I if I leave, it would be super uncomfortable and like in, inconvenient if, uh if I have to go from Miami to Bahrain, um, but you know, it's like if you bring if you bring uh, an umbrella, it it never rains. So yeah. I think it was it was a little bit like that too. So yeah,
0: I, uh, I made that long. We were in Miami for for one day. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a long trip because, yes. like you say, you had to come yeah, the other yes. way. But then, do you view this this kind of second chance, third chance, fourth chance <laughs> in Formula One in the way that you've described them? Do you view it as a break? Could we call that your big break, or do you view it as a as a bonus? Had you kind of thought this chapter was closed and the reopening is a bonus. Because you seem, talking to you, you, seem so much more relaxed this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's
1: a lot less scary this time around. Um, and when I say scary, it's, I mean, the pressure um, it, it hits me less somehow. I think having been out of Formula 1 and actually mentally you know, closing that chapter um, and also having had a great time outside of Formula 1, I think coming back, I still get all the joy of, of being in Formula 1 and still feel super lucky and, uh, you know, driving the car is so awesome, This racing on these great tracks around the world against these great drivers and teams. You know, it's, all of that is still there, the feelings and the passion, but it's not as scary to lose it. So I think it's, it's easier f- somehow to, to be in, in this position now than it ever has been because uh, I'm not so scared of losing it I'm more, I can, I can just be happy about being here and every every race, every day that I get in this position, I just feel lucky you know, I just feel grateful rather than you know, always like scared of losing it it's more like uh, just busy enjoying it. Well,
0: it's great to have you back and it's great to you enjoy it too. Kevin, thank you very much for your time. Cheers, no worries. <laughs>